Ladies and gentlemen, we are finally rounding the bend. And as this uh, episode drops, <laughs> ah, shit, we're only a little over two weeks before Rogue One is finally here. And we're headed to, well, not the finish line, but <laughs> we're headed somewhere. Because... Today, well, let's see here. Five down and uh, two more to go. Because I've brought you the prequels, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. And I guess uh, that brings us to Return of the Jedi. Who would have thunk it? And unlike the last few times, I'm not gonna go and recount every last damn thing you've missed so far. So if you want that, just take some time out and listen to the last few episodes. Get caught up. But for now, I'm leaving it at that, because we've got to run down the whole damn movie. Because I bring you Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, Through the Eyes of a Fanboy. Because you see, (sighs) Return of the Jedi, originally titled Revenge of the Jedi, and later changed after it was decided by George that revenge was not a, a trait that the Jedi shared with the rest of the world. Or, in this case, the rest of the galaxy. But then, George even went a little farther and decided that uh, it was going to be released, not just as Star Wars, uh, Revenge of the Jedi, uh, Return of the Jedi, but it was going to be released as Star Wars Episode Six, Return of the Jedi. 
And, uh, really, that's all most of us, if not any of us, have ever really known it by. You know, but the movie itself is a science fiction fantasy epic. And was released in May of 1983. After just under six months of shooting under the working title, Blue Harvest, and under the direction of Richard Marquand, as the uh, screenplay is written by Lawrence Kasdan, and the somewhat uh, on-again, off-again control freak, uh, George Lucas, with old Georgie uh, also serving as executive producer and uh, sole financier. And and on the whole, <laughs> the whole, <sighs> Return serves as a great resolution to all that we've been through thus far <laughs> in their world. Undercutting three amazing parallel tales and wrapping it up in just a big pretty package with a nice and shiny bow while bringing the whole cast back for a yet one more extravaganza. Well, well, at least it could have been the last one, but they had to go and fuck that up, didn't they? And, And they did so. They fucked it up. No matter how hard Harrison may have fought to avoid it all, And actually, in hindsight, hell, I know he gets a lot of flack for eh, wanting Han to be killed off. But shit, I I gotta say, maybe maybe he was on to something. But the film, uh, set uh, approximately one year after the events of Empire Strikes Back, is said to have its roots in both mythology and religious teachings, just as was said to be the case for its two older brothers. And really, even to this day, especially when it comes to his two older brothers, I just don't see it. But... That's their story, and they've stuck to it. (laughs) Which is eh, kind of funny, seeing as eh, it's created its own mythology, and uh, even a a slightly almost religious uh, following by millions all over the world. And while I know that this is besides the point, even at, uh, well, what... Just a little over 30 years old? <laughs> it still looks better than many of the movies uh, out today that are within well, the same genre, and shit, I'd even go as far as to say any genre. Uh, I suppose uh, that <laughs> is actually a, a testament to and not just the movie, not just the uh, saga. But actually, uh, 
uh, even to ILM and the rest of those who worked so tirelessly on the films as they were almost certainly pushed to their uh, personal and professional limits. But they aren't the only ones that deserve credit for this uh, last installment of gloriousness. I mean, I know it wasn't the last installment altogether, but it was the last one that I can call glorious. <laughs> That's just cold hard fact. But, yeah, they, they don't deserve all the credit. I mean, they deserve a lot of it, but, yeah, not all of it. I mean, there's the actors, uh, the, the director himself, <laughs> hell, even the stagehands. And actually, eh, as much as I hate to admit it, <laughs> even Lucas himself deserves some of the credit. Shit, I mean, he picked the director, didn't he? Or at least he had a hand in it. I mean, sure, that's just because uh, he was shot down by his first pick, uh, Steven Spielberg. Or even his second pick in David Lynch, who actually uh, declined in order to direct Dune. So, way to go, Dave. But, yeah, I, gu I guess I can give George <laughs> some of the credit here. I mean, hell, I'm not completely and totally heartless. I mean, without Lucas uh, having directed much of the second unit, <laughs> uh, well... They probably would have gone way over schedule, and then way over budget. And then fuck, who knows if we would have gotten the movie that we got. So, yeah, I guess I'll throw George a bone this time. Because without him stepping up, this thing could have been a whole different joyride. So, no. But now... If you'll follow me uh, just a bit farther through the stars as we walk among them and tiptoe through this uh, movie just, you know, hand in hand, together, forever. Well, okay, maybe not forever, but for the, for the next hour or two. But if you'll walk with me, you'll see just how much of a crime that uh, it truly could have been if we had gotten anything other than what we got. So, with, with that in mind, like I said, to all those involved, thank you. But, now, before we get going here, SPOILER ALERT! I love this movie, and the whole coming-of-age trilogy, actually. I mean, if you haven't sensed my love for the, just the whole kitten caboodle by now, well, that's my bad. But yeah, I give them shit because I love them. And I, I know that, hell, they could have been so much better than they were. But being able to see the fault in something, eh is just part of 
caring so deeply about it, okay? So no, I, I don't hate the prequels. Hell, you'll find that a lot of the movies that I just rip apart, I do so. Not out of anger, but <laughs> mainly out of love and frustration. Okay? But yeah, I, I love it all. And I just, I hope it shows. Because, damn, I mean, I grew up with the movies. As did many of us. To the point uh, that my older brother and I would actually play Star Wars. And sure, he always made me play the part of Princess Leia. And... Uh, the worst part of that was actually the buns, not the dress, but that's besides the point. And while I'd run off to Vegas and marry these movies in a damned New York minute, if a man could go ahead and just marry an inanimate object without uh, it being frowned upon by uh, society today. For those of you who are completely delusional and feel that George can do no wrong. I know I gave him some of the credit uh, in this one, but... Hell, you're just damned wrong, okay? That's all there really is to it. And if you don't believe me, just like I said, go a few episodes back and check out my prequel reviews. But otherwise, we're just gonna march forward, okay? <laughs> right down the road. Because, you know, I mean, there's there's really no build-up that I can give this thing. I mean, it speaks for itself. Because if it wasn't just fan-freaking-tastic, would everyone that we've gotten to know and care for, and would they all be back if this movie just totally blew ass? Oh, actually... Yeah, yeah, they probably would be, uh, uh, especially if they were contractually obligated for uh, three movies. I mean, because at this point, he only had two. But, you know, whatever. It still kicks ass, okay? But, much as it did to begin with, I'm going to let it speak for itself. Because finally, at long last... As John Williams's gloriously composed score once again greets us and comes into play as it uh, is brought to life by the London Symphony Orchestra. It's go time. And with smiles on our faces. And perhaps uh, at the time, a few tears in our eyes as we mourn the screeching halt of a ride that meshed sorrow and despair with hope and uh, a few laughs, even. Here we are, at uh, the crossroads. The last page in the book for our interplanetary friends. And as the Flash Gordon-like text crawl <laughs> scrolls down the road for what we felt 
was quite possibly the very last time. And as it mentions that the Empire has begun construction on a new, improved armored space station, the likes of which no one has ever seen before, but looks an awful lot like uh, the Death Star, that uh, we're all led to believe uh, took a fraction of the time that uh, its older brother did in order to get up and running. Well, other than the fact that it mentions that after Empire, the rebel forces are uh, in a world of hurt after being scattered across the galaxy in attempts to avoid uh, detection from the Imperial forces. And even though they're still in contact, uh, no matter what their location. Even as we're about to find out that uh, they've got big plans for the Empire and, and Lord Vader, who uh, we see right about uh, uh, now. As he boards the brand spanking new Death Star that's just kind of been hanging around in space. Not fully functional or completed uh, quite yet. As he goes and informs the uh, uh, Imperial officer that's in charge of uh, overseeing the ship's uh, construction uh, that uh, uh, the Emperor who we've not quite seen just yet, uh, outside of that little uh, hologram, is coming to uh, just uh, check up on things. No, but as Darth does that, uh, really, as cool as it is, uh, the only thing that I can wonder right about now is, uh, with this new development... Uh, what exactly is the Rebels' plan, you know? And, uh, well, I guess that uh, part one of the, the plan is, well, simply this. We've got to save Han. That's right. Brainiac idea, huh? All these damn fighter pilots that they have, and, eh, They've got to save Han before they do anything, apparently. So, as Luke and company initiate a plan to rescue their brother from another mother in arms, or something, eh, who's still frozen in the same damned carbonite that we left him in at the end of Empire, and eh, who's still giving us more emotion in his motionless face, than he really gave us at any other time thus far. Or at least definitely more emotion than he gave in Force Awakens. Or uh, just about any other movie that he's ever really been in where he didn't play a uh, president. Oh, it's time for eh, a good old guitar solo or any other solo joke that uh, you can really come up with. But, at the very least, it's time for a, a free solo chant. Solo, you can't hear it. Because, <laughs> you see, 
Han's stationary form was given as a, I don't know, a bar mitzvah present or some shit, uh, from the Empire to Crime Lord Jabba the Hutt for his, um, shit, like I said, birthday, Christmas, I don't know, eh, some such crazy talk. But with the help of Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, who... <laughs> I wonder how much Han really trusts him right about now. But with his help, uh, Leia, like I said, C-3PO, R2-D2, and eh, that monstrous Yorkshire Terrier, Chew Chewbacca, who, well, we're about to hopefully spring him out of that hut. <laughs> Jabba the Hutt's hut. <laughs> eh, I made a funny... Because shortly after 3PO and R2 bumble and stumble into Jabba's humble pad, uh, possibly somewhere, I don't know, in, in Arizona or California or uh, Tunisia or uh, some desert, you know. But uh, as they do so with uh, help from a, a short-sighted one-eyed doorman, they just kind of waltz on in there. We see that Lando is already somehow there, posing as a guard. And then, once the droids realize that they're just kind of patsies in this plan, well, Leia follows uh, quite shortly uh, right behind them. And she infiltrates Jabba's palace on Tatooine, disguised as a pint-sized bounty hunter who claimed to have captured Chewbacca. And as she covertly releases Han from his carbonite prison by melting the carbonite in a fashion that probably would have, in all reality, melted Han's pretty bronze skin right off. But instead, uh, only temporarily blinds him. Her victory is short-lived, as she, uh, right along with uh, Han and, oh, I, I guess the droids weren't technically captured, but still, uh, she joins them all and is uh, quickly <laughs> enslaved by Jabba and his friends a few of who look uh, like colorful yet deformed heffalumps and woozles. So, now, just about everyone is captured somehow or another, uh, aside from that suave bastard Billy D, who apparently was the only one that was able to infiltrate the whole damned operation. Uh, well, I, you know... Maybe he wasn't the only one, because we haven't seen that pipsqueak uh, Hamill just yet. We, we haven't seen Luke. Oh, shit, there he is. Spoke too soon. Because, yeah, he, he comes in and tries to save the day as they spend another movie trying to get us to really buy him as uh, a fucking hero of any sort. 
as we all get to enjoy the view of a enslaved Leia in a pretty skimpy outfit. Which, I'm sure she's a, a bit pissed at herself nowadays, seeing as that outfit eh, that she, I'm pretty sure, reluctantly gave into. Even has today's fanboys jerking it to the point of straining their wrist. But yeah, that whole damned outfit it wouldn't have even seen the light of day, actually, had it not been for the fact that she had complained ad nauseum about the fact that, well, her previously seen loose-fitting whitish robe that she adorned in the last two movies, well, apparently just wasn't her cup of tea. So, I wonder if she was singing the same damn tune after this movie. Because it really just kind of serves as a reminder that you gotta be careful what you wish for, you know? Unless you want every damned geek and nerd for the next 30 plus years to be daydreaming and wet dreaming about you in a gold bikini and slave outfit. Uh, you know, and, well, and I say 30 years, but that's just because eh, a little over 30 years is all it's been since uh, this movie came out. Uh, for all I know, and for all any of us know, shit. That damned outfit, and her in that outfit, could be a, a symbol of geeky sexiness for the next, shit, 50 years. So, <laughs> but, eh, she won't have to worry about that, because I doubt she'll live that long. Hell, I doubt any of them will live that long. But, as I said... Yeah, Luke arrives soon after uh, Leia and all of them. And even though we see hints that he's come a long damned way in mastering the Force and becoming a Jedi, as he uh, is announced by some dude with an oversized umbilical cord attached to his head. Well, <laughs> the fucking blonde-haired goof allows himself to be captured. Which, I just, I, I don't get it. And unlike that whiny little chick that played Luke in the first movie, here, well, Mark shows Luke as, as much more sure of himself as he's ever been, as he assures Jabba that capturing and dooming the whole damned lot of eh, this unimpressive hodgepodge is, quite frankly, the last mistake that he'll ever make. Wait, you, you say that Mark played Luke in the, uh, the whole damn thing? He was Luke the whole fucking time? Yup. So you're trying to tell me that... <laughs> He was the uh, whiny little chick. Yup. Huh. Uh, how do you like them apples? Well, well, no matter. Now, uh, so yeah, they're all damned near captured. And their one hope for freedom 
just fucked them all. So, what a damn crock. A, a bunch of malarkey. But, damn it, Luke. It was just such a rookie move. And what kind of thanks does he get for it? Eh, nothing more than the fact that he's forced to do battle. With a Rancor. Which, you know, if, if you haven't seen the movies, uh, Rancor is actually much more menacing than it sounds. Because, yeah, it, it's a little menacing, but it's basically just a giant, uh, well, turd monster or something that uh, grunts and growls, which were all recorded by a dachshund. Which, if you ask me... Shit. Makes it even more menacing to me. But the fact that he was put up against this fucker... Eh, eh, serves him right. I mean, of, of course... Uh, yeah, he, he survives. Or this would be the shortest damn movie of all time. But, uh... Eh, eh what are you gonna do? Would have been... Maybe a little bit more interesting had he not survived, or even if he had just uh, survived a, a little less easily than he actually did. Uh, make it a close call. But whatever. Because that slug-faced, uh, frog-munching Jabba the Hutt, uh, he's got it all covered as he sentences Luke, and Han, and the whole damned bunch to death by being eaten by the, the Sarlacc. Whatever the fuck that is. And I forgot to mention this, but, well, it's basically the first time we see Hold Up Man with his snotty old self looking like Haystack's Calhoun with a head cold. Uh, ow, shit, ow. I think I pulled something in my back trying to reach for that reference. Anyway, no matter. Now, some of you might uh, say that... But he was in episode four, right? And, well, yeah, sure he was. Absolutely. Pause a fucking tivly. Kinda. <laughs> Sorta. But you're forgetting one small thing. Bull Honky and Balderdash. That was the remastered version. And even though I may slip up here and there, for the most part, uh, eh, he was never in Episode Four original. And that's... That's just... That's just that, no matter what anyone says. Because he wasn't in it. Right up until he was, and then Han didn't shoot first, and stepped on his fucking tail. And yeah, point is, that regardless of all that, <laughs> out there on the sail barge, as we watch with a bated breath, and see just how our boys are... We're gonna make it out of this. Luke breaks free, and a firefight erupts, during which 
Leia strangles the shit out of good old Jabba with her chain around uh, what I can only assume is his, uh, oh shit, I don't know, neck? Hell, it could be his belly button for all I know, fuck. Yeah, but anyway, eh, she just goes at it right until he chokes on his own damn tongue. While she's at it, Han knocks Jeremy Bullock's fat man right into the gaping maw of what is either uh, the Sarlacc or some sort of circumcised penis monster and uh, allows the creature to gobble him right up in a stupidly anticlimactic moment that, uh, eh, that'll be almost completely ignored in the expanded version given to us by eh, countless books. And eh, given time, will almost assuredly be eh, completely ignored again by the uh, movies that Disney's going to put out <laughs> over all these years. And Luke? Well, he destroys the sail barge, and with that... They're free! And as they make their escape, while Vader and the Emperor uh, plot somewhere in the stars above, there's no time to waste, as Han and Leia meet up with the other rebels, and Luke returns to Dagobah, only to find that Yoda, who originally wasn't even going to appear this time around, is somehow, uh, for some reason or another, dying. And can I just say that, eh, for my money, a dying Yoda puppet, <laughs> looking like a miniature green Peter Falk, as Frank Oz wiggles his eh, five fingers uh, up Yoda's poop sheet. Eh, well, shit. It still portrays uh, more emotion, <laughs> in the little screen time that he's given, then, well, eh, pretty much eh, just about any actor or actress in any movie, in any genre, in any of the last, oh shit, five, ten, maybe even close to fifteen years. But with his last breath, Yoda confirms that, yes, Darth Vader is uh, eh, the man that was once known as Anakin Skywalker, Luke's father, which we all know that by now, and hell, by the time this thing came out originally, I'm sure that most of us all kind of figured that, well, chances were that Vader wasn't trying to pull Luke's leg or any of that shit. We all kind of figured by then, by 83, that, yeah, that was the case. So, but anyway, for for those doubters that were still out there somewhere, yeah, he, he goes ahead and confirms this, and, and the spirit of Obi-Wan Kenobi, well, shit, he shows up and <laughs> doubles down and eh, confirms all this in a, Sort of a, an oops, did I forget to mention that? Yeah, my bad, kind of way. And also, while he's at it, he lets out that the other Skywalker that uh, Yoda was speaking of, 
is Luke's twin sister, Leia. Which, as I said in that last review of uh, Empire, makes the whole thing of Luke and Leia kissing uh, sort of creepy. But yeah, Obi goes and tells uh, Luke that he must fight Vader once more to defeat the Empire. Because, eh, why the hell not go up against uh, the jackass that just cut your hand off moments before revealing that he was your long-lost daddy? <laughs> kind of makes your uh, old man look like a pansy ass, huh? <sighs> but, yeah. He's got to go up against uh, Vader once more. His sister and him... Uh, Eh, swapped spit on uh, more than one occasion, and, uh, yeah, Luke's got a lot on his plate right about now. But, whatever. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, it is. I mean, shit. At least I thought so. I still think so. But, while Luke is having his own little, uh, epiphany, <laughs> with everything that they've just kind of laid on him, eh, he... He's having second thoughts about uh, going up against his old man. And that second thought is, look, no. And not one to shy away from eh, laying uh, some sort of pity party, you know, on someone else's shoulders. Uh, Obi-Wan says that if he doesn't, eh, the, the Empire has already won... And, uh, there's really nothing they can do more than just bend over and take it. So, he's got that to digest on top of everything. But the Rebel Alliance is having their own epiphany right now. As they learn that the Empire has been constructing yet one more Death Star, as I mentioned. Which, just, I mean, come on. The last one didn't work out so well for you, so why go back to that well? Whatever. And with this new info uh, now out there in the ether, the rebels decide that eh, they better start hatching a plan to destroy the ship, just as they had its predecessor, where both Vader and his Sith Master, uh, Emperor Palpatine, are aboard to uh, now supervise its completion. Because they were doing so damned well before they showed up that they just decided they better go and eh, put some boots to asses and eh, get everyone kind of motivated. But Han leads a strike team to destroy the battle station's shield generator on the uh, forest moon of Endor. But the strike team, with uh, Luke now in tow, well, they travel to Endor in an Imperial uh, shuttle, hoping to hide their true identity. Because someone so strong in the Force, uh, such as eh, Vader and, well, hell, even his master, probably can't sense that... Uh, Luke or any of them were on the ship. But anyway, uh, well, it's a bitch getting down on the surface of the planet, because Vader 
Well, as we all kind of figured he would, yeah, he actually does use the Force, and quickly senses Luke's presence. So, <laughs> go figure. But no worries, since uh, he lets them through anyway, so that uh, they'll be ambushed by Imperial forces laying in wait on Endor. And now, sensing Vader's presence as well, <laughs> Luke fears that he's endangering the mission. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. But once on Endor, Luke and his companions encounter a tribe of what looks to be <laughs> Lucas's answer to, I don't know, the Care Bears or something. Maybe, shit, a little bit of, I don't know, Teddy Ruxpin? Shit, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, they encounter the Ewoks, <laughs> a name, mind you, that is never really actually spoken on film. So, uh, you know, I don't know how they pulled that off. And these hairy little fuckers, <laughs> who are now seen as cute and cuddly, but can I just ask one thing? Are we forgetting the fact that one of the first times we see their village... <laughs> They're trying to roast and eat our heroes alive. Or the fact that at the very end of this whole damn thing, they're seen as uh, using the uh, helmets of a few stormtroopers as some sort of drum set. So, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, I mean, as they waddle about and... Eh, yammer on in uh, some sort of language that uh, apparently is slightly based on uh, an actual language uh, spoken by a, a tribe of uh, nomads. You know, eh, like I said, if you ask me, as cute and cuddly as these guys seem, these fuckers are about as creepy as when I put my older brother's Metallica tape in the back of a uh, Good old Mr. Ruxpin. But after that initial conflict uh, against the stormtroopers, as I said, our heroes, uh, they even form a partnership with these uh, apparently bloodthirsty little nightmares, evocative of a, a cannibalistic Winnie the Pooh. So can you believe that shit? I mean, how gullible are these fucking rebel forces? Anyway, joining up with these little shits is just about as stupid as building a spaceship with uh, the one design flaw that took out the other spaceship that looked exactly like this one. You know, the, the exact one you're fucking building. But, so, I guess, eh, for just how stupid the rebels are, eh, the Empire is about twice as smart, or twice as dumb. I, I, it really depends on just how sarcastic you are, okay? But after all that, and shortly following uh, reason 957 that uh, Lucas screwed up everything, thinking that we needed a backstory uh, 20 years after the fact, when Leia says that she remembers her mother who died when she was very young. Even though uh, we later see her mother dying while giving birth to her and her brother. 
we finally have Luke's confession to Leia that uh, their brother and sister, in a moment suited for Jerry Springer. But anyway, yeah, he clues her in on the fact that, yeah, they're, they're siblings and Vader is their father. And uh, with that, and before his little or big sis, uh, I'm not sure which one came out first, yeah, can soak it all up and look back at uh, their kiss in her own moment of eh, just self-hatred. And before she can find the nearest source of eh, some sort of antiseptic and just wash her mouth out, Luke goes ahead and leaves to confront their old man by surrendering to uh, Imperial forces. But, yeah. So, uh, he's off. And, uh, so good luck with that, Luke. Because you'll need it, man. Because Vader takes Luke uh, to the Death Star to meet the Emperor. And, and this time, it was actually originally Ian McDermott. But, yeah. Ian, who looks an awful lot like he's uh, at least 750 years old with more wrinkles than a damned eh, Sharpay puppy, and who's uh, pretty displeased with the loss of the first Death Star, and who looks uh, somehow older at this point than he did years later when his older self played the younger Palpatine. Huh? Yeah, that shit still confuses me too. But anyway, the Emperor is uh, now particularly interested in the offspring of Anakin Skywalker, as he orders Vader to convert his son to the dark side. And if he can't, eh, he lets Vader in on the fact that he's pretty prepared to eh, just off his kiddo. But aside from that, eh, hell... Everything's going fine. So, maybe he won't need all that look that I just wished him, but yeah, he'll, he'll need some. Because even with the Death Star fully operational... Wait, what? Ah, horse pucky. Okay, so maybe everything's not fine. And maybe he will need all the luck he can get. Because, I mean, the Emperor does say that he and the Empire are set to destroy the rebellion. So, I'm I'm imagining that Luke is probably thinking, well, you can't win them all, I guess. But, you know, in the meantime, uh, let, let's see if we can at least win one, shall we? Because back on Endor, eh, the strike team, uh, led by Han and company, is captured by Imperial forces. But a surprise uh, counterattack <laughs> is then staged by the Ewoks. So, hot damn. Because that's just what the Rebels needed to be able to launch an attack. So, meanwhile, Billy D's Lando Calrissian, the coolest man in the galaxy... Uh, I don't know about all that. What? Seriously, folks? Shit. Come on, now. Billy D is so damned cool that, frankly, I'm sure that... <laughs> Any one of you women listening to this, eh, find out which Comic-Con that he's going to be at near you 
Yeah, buy a ticket, go, and just walk past him, okay? Because I can guarantee, hell, I doubt you'd get more than eh, seven steps before you get pregnant just by jogging past him, okay? And I, I'm not talking just a kind of prego, but I'm talking at the moment that you stroll right past the master of awesomeness. <laughs> Bam! Instant freaking baby bump. You go from zero to seven months in just a blink of an eye. But whatever. Enough hoopla on caterwauling. Because Lando, with the help of such friends as that mousy co-pilot speaking a, a Kenyan dialect of some sort, and other sideshow freaks such as Admiral Akbar, or as I like to call him, Captain Fishyface. Which is ironic, seeing as he was part of a race referred to as Mon Calamari. So, I don't know, Lucas must have been at Long John Silver's or Red Lobster when he came up with that shit. Because that's just so damned original, you know, but... Akbar and others eh, help lead the Millennium Falcon and uh, the whole damn fleet in their attack against the Death Star. So, it, it's not all for naught. Because, well, eh, with the station's uh, shield still up and uh, the Imperial fleet lurking in the shadows of the vast darkness of outer space. <laughs> Oy vey cheese and rice. Uh, you can say that again. Oy vey cheese and rice. And with that, as the Emperor lures them uh, in, like uh, a bunch of patsies, and makes them come to him so that he may end uh, them in one fell swoop, it's on like Donkey Kong. And sooner rather than later, <laughs> The rebels are taking a nosedive straight into the deep end of the pool as they barrel right on into the thick of things in an aerial dogfight that's just so furiously climactic as uh, it features more optical objects and uh, effects per one scene than most full-length feature films would cram into uh, their whole damned running time. Well, as that shit's going on, uh, if you're not at the edge of your seat by the end of it all, well, then I can only assume that you're standing up, goddammit. Possibly to stretch your legs. Uh, fuck, I don't know. But regardless of the fact that uh, those in charge might have gotten lazy in the background with the, the thought that uh, we wouldn't notice things like chewed up gum uh, taking the place of certain objects. Well, as, uh, all this is uh, just kind of uh, being tossed at us. Uh, jumping Jehoshaphat, was it still awesome? And while they're going at it, things are getting mighty interesting back on the Death Star itself. As the Emperor goes about trying to tempt Luke into giving in to his hunger and uh, joining the dark side as Luke and Vader engage in a lightsaber duel in what I like to call 
the face-to-face -face in outer space. Which I know is kind of cheesy, but fuck you. And slinging their pretty little phallic symbols all over the place, as multicolored beaver bashers sway to and fro, as they mash and hack at each other with little to no choreography, in a moment that leads Vader to discover there uh, is another, and that Leia is Luke's sister. Which, eh, you know, I, mean, I would say for anybody else that that might make him uh, feel kind of bad about uh, keeping her uh, hostage and, you know, taking her captive in the first one. But, shit, this is Vader, so probably not. But as he threatens to turn her to the dark side, Luke... Well, enraged at this possibility, attacks Vader as the Emperor, well, like a perverted old man talking to a little boy, eh, taking his candy, pleads for Luke to eh, release his anger as he watches and eh, tries to search out the evil inside the young lad, who he says can then take Vader's place as his newfound little boy toy. But of course, Luke refuses and declares himself a Jedi, because after all this, even though his father did more than Luke's ever done, and still never quite made it to Jedi Knight, anyway, but you know, what What would any of this, what fun would any of it uh, have been for him to just say, Okay, you know? But peeved off at the boy's response, the Emperor then attacks him with force lightning. However, unable to watch his son suffer, even though by the time he does anything, Luke is eh, smoking. And I'm, I'm not talking about... Uh, Smoking. No, no. I'm, I'm talking he's literally smoking by the end of it. But anyway, uh, as I said, unable to watch him suffer at least any longer, uh, the suppressed good side invader is rekindled for uh, some such reason. So how convenient is that shit? And he kills the Emperor as the uh, ex-powerlifting champion in David Prowse heaves a stunt man and tosses him into the void. Which is about time because, frankly, as uh, convenient as all this shit is, how unbelievably stupid is it that uh, we're supposed to believe that Vader, a man who can choke you out with a twitch of the finger, was basically just the Emperor's goon, anyway. You know... The Emperor's bitch, so to speak. <laughs> but, such is life, I suppose. Unanswered questions and all. But, in the process, however, Vader is mortally wounded by the Emperor's lightning. And, which apparently has a ceiling to it, because while it shoots straight forward when uh, the Emperor is trying to, to roast and toast Luke, eh, it kind of just goes horizontal for some reason when he's picked up. But with Vader now kind of uh, nearing the exit in life, with his dying breath, the redeemed baddie 
asks Luke to remove his mask so that he can look on his son with his own eyes. So isn't that special? And now, revealed as Anakin Skywalker, the man that we've known for about a movie and a half that uh, he was at one time, or at least we now do. I mean, we, we didn't know at the beginning of all this shit. But yeah, now revealed as Anakin, he tells Luke to tell Leia that there was still good left in him after all. That, uh, eh, Luke was right. Which, how, how does he know that Luke was right? I mean, how does he know that Luke and Leia had that conversation? Was he hiding behind one of the trees or something? I mean, hell, uh, or, or is his, his, uh, uh, ability in the force just that damn strong and if it was eh, why couldn't you see all this going down why couldn't you see that this was gonna happen i mean hell if i was him and i saw that that shit was gonna happen i probably wouldn't have fought nearly as long and as strong as he did but the young skywalker unmasks his redeemed father as none of the guys frantically running around them even stops to wonder just exactly what this dude is doing with their leader, who is currently gasping for breath on the floor. So, way to do your job, guys, because it, it's a moment where I just can't help but cry. <laughs> Bullocks! Sandra Bullocks? Harvey Bullocks? Ah, hell, I don't care. I don't know. But then again, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so, yeah. What can I say? Well, I think you've pretty much said it all at this point. Huh? Eh, fine, whatever, okay. Back on Endor, the strike team, with the help of the Ewoks, defeats the uh, Imperial forces and destroys the shield generator, allowing the Rebel fleet to launch one final assault and allowing the audience to ask... How any force takes down some of the biggest, baddest, and best Imperial troops in the galaxy as they get bested by a measly little coup. But yeah, they, they do all this while Lando is still up there uh, flying high in the sky as he decides to uh, lead the remaining ships into the station's core and try to destroy the main reactor. And actually, uh, in Force Awakens, uh, they kind of do the same shit. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But fuck it, because at this point, as Luke escapes on Palpatine's Imperial shuttle, while Lando escapes in, in the Falcon just before the Death Star explodes, uh, back on the, the planet's surface... Uh, with the battle done and won, Han tells Leia that, yeah, he knows that she loves Luke and, eh, he'll step aside. And in a moment that has to lead the poor sod just stupefied, petrified, mortified. And, you know, uh, she tells him that Luke is actually her brother, as he realizes that the lips that just planted one on him had also uh, shoved their tongue 
straight down their own brother's mouth. So, got a feel that maybe he's uh, kind of confused right now. But eh, that evening, Luke goes and returns to Endor and cremates his father's armor right there on a funeral pyre as the rebels and everyone around the galaxy celebrate the end of the Empire. So, news really spreads fast. But yeah, they all celebrate in a fashion that's more befitting for New Year's Eve in Times Square. And after leaving his pops in ashes, Luke begins to wonder uh, exactly what was in those booze that uh, one of the Ewoks just gave him as he spots the the force spirits of uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda and Anakin Skywalker, who was uh, at one time Sebastian Shaw, but uh, then only to be replaced by good old Hayden, who was only added in after Lucas uh, went and second-guessed himself on things that he had right to begin with in the name of uh, continuity, while giving a mega middle finger to uh, all fans everywhere. But yeah, they hoist Shaw, insert Hayden, and uh, in a a little tidbit that's really kind of, again, as a lot of the alterations are, pretty telling about uh, just how lacklusterly sloppy uh, Lucas got in old age. Eh. Hayden sadly gave his best performance of the whole damn thing in a moment that he didn't even know the camera was rolling. <laughs> and I, I wish I was bullshitting you on that. But no, he didn't even know the damned camera was on. I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. Because at that moment <laughs> where... He stands next to Alec Guinness and a puppet getting a a rectal exam by good old Frank Oz. Yeah, he had no idea they were rolling. So, he he then, you know, thus uh, gave us his best acting. Which is more than I can say about uh, any part of his performances in the prequels. Where he helped uh, give us... uh, a young Anakin, but I guess that's what we get for letting Lucas do that to us. So, <laughs> yeah, there we have it. Done and done. Got the prequels. Now we got the originals. Just run down in the last several weeks. I've just run down every last little bit of the Star Wars saga. Or at least... I wish it was every little bit of it, because we've got one more to go. And like I said, that'll be the last of it, okay? And not only the last of the saga, and like I said, that'll be the the last of uh, the season, you know? Because I'm going to go and enjoy the holidays uh, to every damned extreme that I can. But shortly after the first of the year, I promise I'll be back. And, you know, um, 
maybe in that time, uh, if you go ahead and follow me on Twitter at, uh, at FickleFanboyRPM, you can maybe even help me, I don't know, shape the first few episodes when I come back. You know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> if, if you don't, if, if you just kind of leave me hanging again, as you always seem to do when I ask for your help, eh, you're leaving it up to me, which, do you really want to take that chance? But yeah, find me on there. Go to patreon.com and uh, type in Fickle Fanboy RPM or uh, RPM Fickle Fanboy and find me and support the show. And for now, and until we get to uh, the Farce Awakened, I mean Force Awakens, I'll be seeing you. Oh shit. What am I thinking? Uh, I haven't even. I haven't even tried to rebuild and reshape the saga yet. Uh, I mean, I. Yeah, I, I touched on the prequels here and there, and I tried to improve some shit, but I really didn't. I didn't go into depth with it, you know? And. And really, I've gone so long right now. I've gone so long in this episode alone that. I'm going to have to leave you in suspense. And I'm, I'm going to have to actually... Uh, I'll give you a bonus episode. Uh, somewhere between now and uh, episode 7. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to tell you when it's coming. I just want you to come back and eh, eventually be surprised, you know. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you the bulk of my reimagining Star Wars. I mean, every last bit of it from there. And yeah, yeah, the prequels are going to need most of the work, even considering what I've already done with them. Uh, but, you know, for right now, uh, just to kind of give you a, a little bit of a gesture of goodwill, if it, as it were. I'll go ahead and, <laughs> uh, before we get to rebooting, how about we recast this son of a bitch? You know, and, and I want you to come up with your own ideas when it comes to the supporting cast. But here are just some of my ideas in, in who I would probably recast if this son of a bitch started filming tomorrow. So... Uh, let's see here. Well, first of all, for Tarkin, I'm thinking Daniel Craig or Rafe Fiennes. Which, I'm sorry, uh, Rafe, uh, well, his, his first name always looks like Ralph to me, but, <laughs> yeah. Daniel Craig or Ralph Fiennes, I mean Rafe Fiennes, for Tarkin. And, uh, for Leia, shit. Well, I I know Millie Brown from Stranger Things wants to play the role. And actually, um, you know, truth be told, hell, why not? Either her or as much as I hate her, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. You know, because, I mean, just look at some of the uh, ways that uh, Maggie has gone and... and played many of the roles that she's been given. 
and tell me that they weren't in some way, shape, or form molded and even inspired by roles like Leia, you know? I mean, you can't do it. Even in Dark Knight, uh, I can't imagine that uh, there wasn't at least a little bit of Leia in that. So yeah, slap some uh, Cinnabon cinnamon rolls on the side of her head, and there you have it. Maggie Gyllenhaal is Leia. But, you know, to be fair, Millie is my first pick, so there you have that. But eh, then we have, okay, so we have Leia. How about Luke? And I'm thinking, uh, eh, Sebastian Stan, you know, the Winter Soldier himself. Because why the fuck not? I mean, I know by now everybody has probably seen the uh, pictures of him next to Luke. You know, I mean, they're floating all over the uh, internet right now. And the the resemblance is fucking uncanny. So, yeah, why not? Uh, then, uh, for Han, <laughs> since we've already got Luke, we've already got Leia, let's go for the hat trick. Uh, I'm thinking Nathan Fillion. Uh, I mean, he did all right when he was piloting a ship on Firefly. So I figure, why not let him just try and uh, pilot the Falcon? But you can't have Han without Chewie. And for that, for Chewbacca, I'm, I'm going to break my own rule. Because if I haven't mentioned it on here, I, I kind of have this outlook that when it comes to people that are so far behind a mask or oh hell makeup or cgi that it it really doesn't matter who you recast but like i said i'm gonna break my own rule because yeah sure it might not matter much but if i had my way conan stevens from game of thrones and uh, if you can't get him, Ron Perlman. You know, either one of those would just be awesome. And again, yeah, breaking my own rule. Uh, I know it doesn't matter who's behind there, thanks to the mask. But I'm thinking for Vader, or at least for his body, Benedict Cumberbatch. Because... I'm just thinking that he'd fit right in. And I know it, it might not really matter who I pick for the body, because uh, he's just under so much anyway. But when it comes to the voice, uh, I'm not even going to try and recast that, because fuck that. When it comes to the voice of both Darth and Yoda... Just, no. Just absolutely not. You need, as long as they're living, you need James Earl Jones and Frank Oz. That's just, that's all there is to it. Okay. And, um, sticking with the originals, uh, yeah. Um, 
as long as he's living again, Ian McDermott as as the emperor, okay? Just there's absolutely positively no give there. Unless something drastic happens and he's just not able. Yeah, you leave him alone. And god forbid if something happens, <laughs> ah shit. Just slip a cloak on uh, Anthony Hopkins or hell, even Jeffrey Rush. One of those two. I really don't care. Play eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And uh, for the the voice of C-3PO, uh, if Anthony Daniels just cannot give that uh, droid his voice, well, the only two that I could see taking up that mantle is uh, uh, either John Cleese or Eric Idle. And as for the movements... Uh, David Hyde Pierce. That's just... There you have it. Uh, but let's see here. Uh, any other originals? Oh, uh, Lando. Terrence Howard. Easy. Case closed. And, uh, you know... Yes, I will try to change The Phantom Menace enough to where it's it's bearable but if you for some reason just got rid of phantom menace if you just scrapped it all together and didn't didn't make it a, a prequel trilogy but you know uh, kept most of the prequels left left a little bit of menace and eh, just shoved it at the beginning of clone wars or some shit well if you did that, I'd still leave Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. <laughs> and uh, for his old self, there's really no one that I could think of that would be absolutely perfect in the role. So I'm just going to go with eh, what I got, you know. I'm just going to try to make chicken scratch out of chicken. You get the point. But I'm thinking that... <laughs> Since there's no one that would be an absolute fit-like-a-glove kind of situation. Gary Oldman or uh, Malcolm McDowell. J just one of those. I don't, I don't care which, because, like I said, it's not going to work perfectly anyway, but we got to try. Uh, I mean, Hugo Weaving might actually work uh, aesthetically, but... <laughs> <laughs> Not in many other ways, so I'll leave that one alone. Uh, let's see here. Oh, shit. Uh, the Fat Man. Boba. Oh, shit. I don't know. Uh, give him no lines. And uh, shove a helmet right onto uh, some football or soccer player, you know, some rookie. That's not going to be completely and totally uh, recognizable. And yeah, put the helmet on, uh, put some armor on, and just, you know, just pick someone that's in damn good shape. Good enough to be imposing both in and out of uh, the armor. Just work with it. <sighs> Let's see here. Oh. Well, 
taking a break from the originals and heading kind of over to the prequels, I'm thinking, you know, sorry, Sam. I love you, but I'm thinking Idris for uh, Mace. You know, Idris Elba. I think that that would work just fine. Uh, and for Anakin, whew, uh, that's, that's a toughie, but I just say be careful and give uh, more consideration on this uh, than George did. But you can go with any number of unknown child actors, you know? But like I said, be careful. Because... Uh, I mean, well, if, if you wanted to go with someone who's not quite completely unknown, as much as I hated the movie The Room, uh, maybe Jacob Tremblay. Uh, and when it comes to uh, during the Clone Wars, uh, Asa Butterfield, or Will Poulter, even. Hell, even Thomas Sangster. I don't know. Fuck, work with it. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, in that last one, <laughs> oh, shit. If you, if you don't just stick with whoever you got in Clone Wars, eh, I'm thinking fuck, Jack Nicholson's kid, or, uh, let's see here, <laughs> Kit Harrington. I mean, one of those two, since uh, Paul Walker's dead. Go with, go with one of those two. Because Paul would have been a perfect fit, but yeah, that ship has sailed. Uh, let's see here. For Dooku, I say Peter Weller. You know, end of discussion. And for uh, going back just a small second, for Miss Skywalker, you know, for Anakin's mommy. I know it's a bit part, but shit. Scarlett Johansson. I, I think that would be just fine. And uh, for Maul, if you can absolutely not under any circumstance just stay with Ray Park. Tom Hardy. All I'm saying. And Qui-Gon. Hell. Sean Bean or... Maybe even Michael Fassbender. Doesn't matter. They wouldn't be there for that long anyway, because, like I said, eh, I think that I'd like to cut out the minutia of Phantom and eh, speed up the rest. But we'll get to that. And uh, before we do, <laughs> uh, Padme, uh, shit. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Go, go with Jen. But there's, that's all I can think of right now for, for the prequels. Going back to the originals, though, for Uncle Owen, I'm thinking, uh, how about Michael Keaton? Ah, man, that works. Or, uh, Tom Wilkinson would actually be a, a pretty good fit. So, yeah, what, one of those two. Uh, and for his counterpart, Aunt Beru, some like Sally Field, and I don't, I don't mind that uh, idea. 
but I, I think <laughs> eh, we got Michael Keaton as Uncle Owen. I know this is just a damned coincidence, but why not Diane Keaton, no relation as far as I know, uh, for Aunt Beru? I mean, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't work. Do you? Of course not. And um, as far as any other bits and pieces, uh, I mean, hell, shove as many fan service uh, stars uh, or their voices as, as you can in as many crevices as a uh, crevices Cre crevici just just shove them in as many spots as he can you know i mean people like chris pratt or hell even chris pine or you know any chris when it comes to Wedge, or any of the guys. I don't know. Uh, Patton Oswald or Chris Farley's uh, ghost, or someone for Porkins. Uh, yeah, but no, you know what? Uh, maybe that was even in bad taste for me uh, when it comes to Chris Farley. Yeah, Patton Oswald for uh, Porkins. Uh, Hugh Laurie for Nita. Oh, Andy Circus for any number of voices done for CGI characters. Oh, maybe even uh, Maurice LaMarche doing his whole burping on command shtick for the voice of Jabba. I mean, get creative. Oh, and, and uh, while I'm at it, Harvey Firestein is probably bored. So toss him a bone uh, as uh, the voice of Admiral Akbar. But... If you think of anyone I may have missed, and, you know, you want to eh, cast uh, them yourself, go for it. Tweet me or some shit, I don't know. I mean, you're already gonna be on uh, Twitter. He's watching the damned Rogue One premiere right now. Or you just got done watching it, or... You watched it yesterday. I mean, I don't know when you're listening to this. But for now, as I was saying, for now, that list will start us off. And uh, I guess when it comes to the plots and everything, <laughs> uh, stay tuned and uh, I'll be seeing you <laughs> real soon.